Hello, and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. This is episode 212 of our new format where we shoot the breeze. Dude, where is some of the best content? Where some of the best content is just to scroll away. Thank you. Mm. I hope people don't get the impression that we're just like giving up. <laughs> I hope they do get that impression. Really? Is that what makes a successful podcast? I think so. I hope we get honest feedback from the listeners. Like now more than ever, I would say it is extremely important for us to know, do you like the more casual format or are you all about the set topics per episode? So please let us know if email's too much for you. Hit us up on Twitter. Comment on Facebook. That's what we should be saying. Twitter's way more our demographic than email, especially after our last episode where we were talking about yeah. how people are, are potentially getting rid of email for social. So our Twitter handle is at below the full DO. <laughs> IO. Yeah. For anyone below the full not spelling out like a rodeo. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's IO at the end. Uh, I've talked to some people who listen to the show and I had no clue they did. And they, uh, I've had several people say, oh, I listened to Below the Foldio, as if that's the show. Really? Uh-huh. That's that funny. Never happened Some people me. have been, I'm, I'm like, oh, it's just that. Below the Fold. I don't, I don't mind it. Foldio. Below the Foldio. Well, now you know if you're listening. It's Below the Fold. <laughs> Welcome to the Below the Fold podcast. Okay, so what do you guys want to talk about? So, I was uh, briefly, briefly talking about this with Jacob at lunch, and it's, so I, here's a disclaimer. This is a hypothesis. It is not based on any research. I could easily be persuaded either way, but I'll present this. I feel that the, the market, which much of it is moving online, so you could say the online market, is getting extremely competitive, and the SEO strategies, the social, like everything we've done in the past isn't going to cut it. I mean, back in the day, I mean, today, even I was just talking to a BYU professor at uh, Brigham Young University, super smart guy with uh, marketing and how much I'll, I'll quiz you guys. How much money do you think you need in order for you to launch a product and like, have it be as well known as Slack? Like what would your budget need to be? $17. So. Uh, I'm going to have to say somewhere above a million dollars. It's about $80 million is what you would need for you to like start a company and immediately have like a Nike type exposure. Nike might be. Whoa, I thought we said Slack here. (laughs) Slack is, Slack is big. Uh, We'll stick with Slack. Slack is not Nike. You would get bigger than Slack. Nike is $80 million for 50 years, every year, 80 million. (laughs) But but it, I think we're moving not necessarily with the money. I mean, money, it is, you are. We're talking paid promo. I'm just right? talking marketing, like including the paid promo. I mean, a yeah, lot of that would be paid like 90% promo. 90% of that budget is going to be paid. It's going to be paid. Um, and then, of course, you still have uh, some of the marketing efforts. But we're seeing how paid online is that it's continually getting more expensive. Agencies are slowly raising their prices uh, so it's getting very competitive. And with that, I'm wondering, are agencies specifically going to have a rougher future if, because it seems like a lot of the agencies I know of uh, consist of teams where the team is kind of a jack of all trades. So they're very well-rounded. Uh, no one is an expert per se in 
I mean, so every, everyone has something they lean in, but it wasn't like strategically put together that way. Um, but there are some agencies where like the team is, this is the social guy. This is the email guy. This is, uh, the project manager and they are working on these separate accounts. Do you feel that because we're getting so competitive, you have to specialize in something and focus on that? Uh, or can we still get away with being the jack of all trades type person and whether it's freelance or clients or even trying to do your own marketing? So my thought is, so the first thing I thought of is if I'm searching for a job, so I'm looking for a new job. If I am a jack of all trades, I can uh, cater my resume specific to the one thing they may be looking for, right? I can say, well, I have experience in that and I can put it on there. If I specialize, how many jobs am I excluding from the possibility, the realm of possibility of getting that job, right? So if I specialize in SEO and that's it, and I don't have experience in anything else, I can only apply for SEO jobs unless they're entry level, right? And I want to start over with like email or social or lead gen or whatever. I'm strictly, I'm stuck. I mean, it's pigeonholing. That's basically what it is. So if you are specializing, you pigeonhole yourself into that one specialty, uh, which, I mean, if you have a niche and you're very good at it and it comes in high demand, you may be in a really, really good spot. And hopefully you love that that one thing because you're going to be doing it forever. Whereas if you're a jack of all trades, I, I kind of consider myself that way. Like I don't necessarily, like I do lean, like you said, towards SEO and organic, but I do have experience in, in a breadth of other topics and um, um, strategies, tactics, methods. So I could go to a potential employer and I, I could be competent enough to speak to whatever specialty or um, area of interest or they have in hiring. I could say, yeah, I have experience in that. Here's how. And I can, I can kind of move around the industry. And, uh, and I think that my opportunities are a little bit bigger. Does that make sense? That makes sense. The number of opportunities, I should say. So you're looking at it from a personal perspective. Yeah, that's true. Was your question about if you are running an agency, what that agency needs to be doing? Or even if you're a hiring in-house Here, Here's my personal team. experience. Uh, when I was previously before Market Campus, I was at 97th floor. My mentality I had with the work that I was doing is I felt, and this is not to say that this is how it is at 97th floor. This was just my mindset personally. My concern was that I felt my work was mediocre compared to the potential it could be if I was focusing on one company all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can get very difficult to come up with amazing social campaigns and amazing email campaigns and search campaigns for all these different things and for multiple clients all the time. And yes, we have teams that kind of help out with that, but you know, as, as a lead on the team, you're, you still, you still oversee everything and it, it, it can almost, in the agencies you see, like people get burnout way faster than they do at in-house. It seems like just because agencies very fast, very fast paced, doing a lot of things at once. And so my mindset is, uh, I mean, I've kind of switched, I guess you could say it's in-house, but it's my own company. So it's different, but it's nice being able to wake up every day and everything I see here and interact with, I can constantly ask, how could I turn this into, how, how could I leverage this to help this company, which is my company, but Jacob could say, how could I use this to help myriad or, or whatnot? So 
don't know. I guess that's that's my experience. I wonder if that was just my thinking or if there is some truth to that to where it is going to be harder for I say agencies not to pinpoint agencies. It's just one example of working on multiple clients, especially when you're a jack of because I was more of a jack of all trades. I don't necessarily think I have a specialty. I kind of just do everything. But like Nathan was way better at analytics uh, Your specialty than myself. Is badassery. There we go. So I'm I'm good at that. <laughs> Jacob's good at email. Um, email. I think you're way better than I am at email. Like I don't want to be labeled as an email guy. I'm not labeling, <laughs> but like everyone has their their strengths. I'm sure I, I have my strengths, obviously, but I wouldn't consider them specialties. But I do feel it seems like when you look at the job openings, they're they're looking for specialized positions. We're looking for a social media manager. As much as Paxton hates the people who did you say that's what you're currently looking for? Right. <laughs> yes. Who do I hate? People, people who, who come in wanting to be the social guy. No, that is inaccurate. I do not hate those people. Play the tape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, play it. (laughs) Uh, So you currently are looking for a social media person? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, as I look at, like, I see these different feeds, and it seems like much of the market, they're asking for someone specific. Like, we're looking for an email coordinator. We're looking for this. I don't see as much. I'm looking for... Uh, an SEO manager or that's that specific, like a marketing. Yeah. Let me tell you why I think that's a bad idea. Specific to what social media, asking specifically for social media person, uh, uh, that specific it's social media. If you're a social media guy, that tells me that you don't know digital marketing. It tells me that, you know, Facebook and, you know, Twitter and, uh, you know, social networks. But when it comes to someone who's managing social media, especially in our industry, if someone's saying, I want a social media person, really what I would be looking for, even if they're called that, is somebody who knows how to, it's really, you could change it to to be called content marketer using social media. Because someone needs to, in order to be successful on social in the way that you're talking about, they need to know how to content, to market content, to be a good market con, uh, content, need, marketer. content marketer. They need to generate content. Not only generate content, but they have to research and know what content needs to be built to fulfill a need, to answer questions, to be of value. And it's not, it's not, it's not about sharing. Sharing your stuff is like one tiny little fraction of what you're doing. You need to know who to share it to, when, what, how, uh, yeah, all that stuff. And 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 if you're good at social, you'll be good at email. Really, because if you know what to say to your audience and what kind of content to deliver to them, you're going to be good at email. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's definitely a learning curve with like technology and stuff. Yeah, but, but that's yeah, stuff the concept, people can pick up. Oh, for like sure. The, the hard skill is, is, is the same. Is knowing how to communicate well. So really, everyone should just be asking for content marketers who can take care of their social. You know, because if you're a really good content marketer, it doesn't matter what the medium is. You could pick that pick that up pretty fast. Yeah, honestly. Uh, I'd like to know exactly what you mean when you say jack of all trades, like what to you is a trade in this discussion. I say, like, I think a marketer should know email. They should know social. They should know that stuff. Uh, To me, a jack of all trades means I know marketing, but I also do my accounting and I do, yeah, I do the photography for my business and I do the, the hiring and I'm, I'm excellent at managing people like that to me is jack of all trades marketing you should know how ppc works you should know how email works because really a good campaign knows 
can see like all these complex systems and is able to take advantage of these where these systems uh, interact and intersect. So you can build great content knowing how SEO functions and knowing how this can play with my email game and knowing how this is going to play with my social game. If you, if you don't understand these platforms, you're going to create some content that maybe it does well with SEO, but you're missing a whole social segment because you don't understand that. So to me, not knowing how these different things operate is something you're missing out on. So I would, I would, if I were to visually try to represent this in some way, I would use like a pie, part, pie chart, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when I talk about jack-of-all-trades in the way that we have been specific to marketing, it's you take that list of all those things, SEO, PPC, email, social, and, and others, and all of those should be present on your pie chart, right? You should have some portion of your pie chart alloc- allocated to those specific trades or those skills, when I see specialize, uh, hopefully someone who specializes in one of those things also has all the other ones on their yeah. pie chart. But that one thing they specialize in just takes up a majority of the pie. Yeah. So another way to visualize this is through the T-shaped marketer that I think Rand Fishkin wrote about maybe a year ago. But basically, if you, you should be T-shaped. So you have experience and knowledge in a lot of different things. And then there's one thing that you really drill down into and become an expert at. And I would argue that at our, like at our agency, at least, our marketers are T-shaped marketers. Each one of them have something that they really know more than other people. And when I choose who gets what accounts, I take that into consideration. So the people that get an account, they're they're getting that account because they specialize in the things that that specific account needs. Uh, But all of the marketers should know the basics of PPC, how analytics works, how email marketing works, how social works, so that they're not leaving anything on the table when creating these campaigns. So uh, staying with that same topic, your employees who drill down in different things, are they kind of just drilling down in the things that they're interested in or do they, when they get hired, they see, Oh, well there are 10 people and each one has this, well, this hasn't been covered yet. So maybe I'll drill down into this and become like that one person. Yeah. You know, I think you would, I thought at least that's how it would work is people would find gaps and just drill down so that they can cover that gap. To me, that's like the smart move, but to really, really be an expert on something, you have to have a certain degree of passion and you have to have purpose so I've had people that were really passionate about CRO, for example, that they could have learned the, like been experts at CRO, but they didn't have uh, a client or a situation where they could exercise those yeah. skills. And so they never really became an expert. On the other hand, I've had times when, you know, people just aren't that interested in something. So even if they see a gap, they just can't fill it because they do not care about that particular skill. So it really, you have to have that magic combination when here's an opportunity to use these skills and this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And then usually that's when the expert is born. How often do you do kind of a gap analysis of your employees while you're looking to hire and then start by looking for someone specifically who could fill that gap? And what what gaps are there? Yeah, so loosely, I try to keep uh, a balance at the agency of kind of the creative-minded individuals. And when I say creative, I'm talking about classic creative, 
you know, there's the whole like, we're all creative, blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying like the people who they have their own Instagram account with a ton of followers because they know how to dress well, you know, that kind of like creativity. And then versus the analytical minded people who love data, they love spreadsheets, they know how to build pivot, uh, tables. pivot tables and all that stuff, right? So I try to maintain a balance between those two. And sometimes our agency will get a little too analytical and not creative enough. And sometimes we'll be a little on the creative side, and not analytical enough. And so I try to balance that out uh, and then looking for hard skills. So I, I don't necessarily say we're light on people that know analytics. So I'm going to find someone that does analytics specifically, but I will say we're light on the people who love and work with data. So I'm going to find some people that love and work with data, whether that be analytics or they love to do uh, CRO or whatever. It's a, it's a hard science. Yeah. A hard science versus a soft science. Um, I think that's great. Well, to nail down my definition uh, of what, what I mean by jack of all trades, because I agree with Paxton. <laughs> I forgot that we left that question hanging out there. <laughs> yeah. I agree with Paxton that uh, as a marketer, regardless of what your specialty is, you absolutely have to know how everything works together. Like the social guy cannot be siloed away from the SEO guy and, and the email guy is over here in his corner. Um, you have to know all that stuff. But it's like like programmers, they know the basis of all these different languages, but they specialize in one. And I guess my, to use experience, like my time in the agency setting, I, I never had like, my job was to, meet the client's goals and every client has different goals, but, uh, whether that was achieving it through email, social content, all of these different mediums, that was completely up to me. Uh, it was never like, we never had anyone on our team where it's like your job, like, yes, you know, everything, but you're like, we want you spending 80 plus percent of your time focusing on this element of marketing. And, and in the company, we had those people, like, for example, Nathan was really good at analytics and there was other people who were far better at like SEO or content than myself, but it wasn't like there was, there wasn't like an official structure where they were required to make time. Like it was kind of like, Hey, if you have time, would you be able to sit down and kind of help us out? Because I'm not super good at CRO, but I know that you've, uh, have, have delved into it a little bit. Um, I guess I just see, I, I wonder how, much longer we can have people who don't necessarily have like a role like everyone in the basketball team should be able to shoot they should be able to pass all these things but each player has like okay but primarily your job is to do this you're the big man See, you get rebounds and I all think that. that that we at least at the agency that we're talking about there are roles they're just not defined by title in that like i know when I have, when I get a new client coming on and I know I take a look at the data, I know what they need. And I say, you know, these guys need a solid SEO campaign. I give it to Brandon because I know Brandon is solid at SEO. And so Brandon will do what he does best, which is SEO. And if I need this particular account needs CRO, maybe, and I know Brandon's not good at CRO, I don't give it to Brandon. I give it to someone else who's what good. What if they need both? Yeah. So in that sense, you you collaborate. So that's why we have teams. And when we build teams, we try to mix uh, skills so that we have overlapping skill sets. So as I was as you guys were talking about this, I, I was imagining communication, right? So the more people you're involved in any campaign or situation, the harder it is to communicate needs. And then that kind of mucks things up a little bit, which goes to my argument that 
I, I prefer the jack of all trades route because if you have one person who can kind of do lots of different things, well, they don't have to communicate with communication anyone Communication is as fast as the neurons can. That's exactly true. You yeah. probably can't get faster than that. So, whereas if you have a team of specialists, especially with all the different um, tactics and strategies and, and things that you could specialize in in marketing, you could have a team of 10 people easily and have one client who who has need for all 10 things. And that is just that like literally makes my brain melt. When it works, when like literally building a team around like everyone's, you know, you, you do what the client needs done. Like you meet the goals. Everyone has specialties. It works definitely if the team has one client. But then as you build clients on top of that team, that's where it can get tough. And we, we all know that like many marketing elements, many goals tie in with everything. Like to do SEO to rank well, you don't just have to. It's not just optimizing pages. Social does play a little part of that. Uh, utilizing email to help your SEO uh, uses that. And so, like, I feel like sometimes I, I would, and I still run into this today, like, just what I, like, I, I dive into email and I read everything about it. And it's like, man, I could spend 40 plus hours a week if I really wanted to do our email campaigns the best way, but I don't have 40 hours a week. Uh, but then social, man, I could spend 40 hours here. And so, that's where I look at it. It's like, are we going to hit the point where it is so competitive and it's you have to be so good that your 40-plus-hour-a-day job is a specific element? Because we've always like bottled marketing as just like, here's marketing, here's this. But now marketing is growing so big, uh, just like society is so big, that we have doctors, we have uh, garbage men. And I see that kind of with just marketing getting that big to where we need specific roles. I'm not saying that is the way i'm not saying that's like how 90 cent floor does things um that's just I, I been like see, my I wonder see what you're saying and and i think you may have a good point there i don't necessarily think that my solution to that or my kind of retort is um instead of kind of being a jack of all trades you become a jack of some trades right so instead of just being good uh average at everything you can be pretty good at three or four things as opposed to being excellent at one thing. Exactly. And then you can build a team of three instead of a team of 10 and, and, and you still kind of maintain a reasonable amount of people to main, you know, keep communication on the up and up. Yeah. Makes sense. How long have we been going? About 22 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) We've kind of stuck on the same topic here. Yeah, that's okay. I feel like, uh, that's where agencies come in is when you're saying I need to spend 40 hours a week on perfecting my email campaign. Instead, you can temporarily hire someone who has spent years learning the finer points of an email marketing campaign, and they can execute that same campaign in a fraction of the time it would take you to execute that campaign. Because, you know, as we've talked about on this show before, Time does not equal results always. If someone, there's people who are smarter that can work in fewer hours and achieve the same results or better results. So, you know, I don't know. But then my concern, so I agree with you. I guess I'm yeah. playing more so devil's advocate. Stop I know, doing listen, that. the devil doesn't need any. Advocate. I know uh, <laughs> he has enough advocates. I, uh, I would, uh, I guess one of the big concerns is, and it's not a big concern, but 
people like we, and we've had this discussion before before with like in-house and agency yeah it's that well yes i could have someone like who's awesome at email and he works at this specific agency and he's gonna be, but i also know that he's working on five i mean you guys have like low clients like 90 cent floor i mean average probably five to ten per team uh, i talk to agencies and you've seen them or it's like i have 80 plus clients for one person yeah for like one person it's like nothing's getting done with that so how, how does that even work? How how is that? How can you maintain? How is that even a thing? I've talked to some people at some places where they do that, and at places that I will not mention. Yeah, <laughs> and basically, what the package you pay for entails is one phone call a month, and they will adjust things like title tags, and then they'll track rankings. So tracking the rankings is part of the service. I will say so this. do they tell you up front, they're like, you're paying for one call a month and changing title tags, and we guarantee that your rankings will improve within the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and the, also, I think one of the caveats is if they call you for your phone call and you don't answer, that's it. That was your call. No way. Yeah. You're talking about one agency. This isn't like the norm. No, this is one, one specific agency. I feel like we should shame them. No, we should not. <laughs> I will say to the listeners, if you're considering hiring an agency, if on their website they have several packages you can choose from, yeah, gold, don't. silver, and bronze, Well, to, run as fast as you can. I will say uh, there are some times when like packages and the whole cookie cutter thing are okay and will work. If you're in a small business and your competitors are not that competitive, sometimes just doing a little package where you pay 100 bucks a month and they will mess with your tile tag sometimes that's enough to 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 beat them you know so how will they know if they fall into that how, how will who know if the who, people looking so you're yeah. saying sometimes it's okay yeah, if i'm know. one of those people how do i how can i self-identify as one of those where oh i guess i could probably spend a hundred dollars a month in honestly okay. <laughs> I, I i think it's you'd have time to pay well a few just to, read a couple articles yeah. and do it yourself and then watch what happens. And if that doesn't work, then those packages probably wasn't. Yeah. And so let me give you a really great resource. If you're going to read a few articles uh, to teach yourself, go to (laughs) blackhatworld.net. Is that different than .com? Oh, is it .com? I thought it was .com. It seems like it should be a .net, though. (laughs) Don't go there. I mean, you can, but just be wary. He was being facetious. Facetious. Yeah, .com is the main one. Let me see if... uh... What do you got? Dot .net? .net is one. That's oh, a completely different one, but it exists. It's, right. not, it's like a blog. It's not it's a, a black hat version of blackhatworld.com. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's the same topic. It's just a Brandon, honestly, without, without taking even a second to think about it, say facetious. What? Oh. <laughs> say the word facetious. Facetious. Is that right? right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't even heard of that. No. What um, were you saying? Sorry. I don't know. Well, I was comment. I, I guess uh, if, if do you think there's like a minimum? Like I have people come to me all the time. They want advice. Like I'm thinking about hiring this person or this agency, and it's 500 bucks a month. And they said they're going to do that. When you hear that, like if someone came to you and said, "Yeah, this guy wants to do it," you know nothing about him, and, and, and he said he'll do 500 bucks a month, and he's going to get a bunch of content. Do flags go off in your head where it's like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that, especially when content creation is involved. Yeah, so it used to be more that that used to be more the case for me. Like flags would go up and I'd be like, "No, no, 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 like never do that." But uh 
I think I've changed my tune on that a little bit. Sometimes there are people, they just don't have a big marketing budget. And like at Nice and Floor, we're very much towards like the premium ends, like focusing on big enterprise level clients. And so by comparison, we look at like 500 bucks, they're doing like nothing for you. Like, and yeah, by comparison, it's, it's much smaller, but that's not to say they're doing nothing. They can get results. The results are going to come slower. Uh, they're not going to be as big, but sometimes there, there are legitimate agencies that charge small prices and that's good fit for small businesses. Um, but you have to do some research. So I won't say right off the bat that that's a bad deal. You'd have to do some, some research and look into you what would. they're doing. And my initial reaction is if they're charging that low, obviously it depends on the services they're providing for that. Like if they're giving you like a laundry list of things that they're doing for you, then that's kind of a red flag. But yeah. typically when people are charging low amounts for services, it means they're cutting corners, which cutting corners typically equals not best practices. So, Or they've automated so much of it that it's just not, yeah. they've kind of created this, pra- this package that you kind of input the company in and whatever comes out is what they pay for. So they're, um, we've done some research into this and we actually created some packages at Nice Floor for small, small businesses. Uh, the smallest package is a thousand dollars a month though. So even by comparison, like that's still 10 times Twice as much as the know. example we're talking about. Right. Um, and you're right. It's not a complete thing. Uh, it, what where I guess you could say we cut the corner is we don't, it's, it's kind of about consultation. So we'll go in and do a really lengthy site audit, find things that are going wrong with the website. We'll look for areas for optimization. We'll do competitive research, but you're um, not doing the fixes we're not, yourselves. We're not. Well, it depends. If it's a site, a small site, and they give us access, we'll actually do the fixes ourselves. But um, we won't do things like go out and build links. We're not building any content, things like that. We're just mm-hmm. kind of adjusting and playing with what's already there. Uh, and that's where it stops. So, you know, I believe that we can and we have gotten some results there, but definitely not as fast and not as big as, you know, a huge $10,000 a month investment. I, I almost think that that's a good start paying one one bulk fee to yeah. kind of get you at square one because yeah. most clients that come and want something like that uh they're not in first of all they don't know and second of all they're not in a position to even start the the link building process they're not in the position to start content marketing it's kind of like a they bring you your their broken down vehicle and you just kind of fix it up to running condition and then they can take it from there exactly yeah and, and, and that's I kind like of how that. we build it we build like it that. We build it and we say like, okay, we've, we've fixed everything. You're in a good spot. Um, here's what you should be doing. And, and then, then from there, the they can say, to pitch to yeah, them. and they can say, okay, can you guys do it? And we yeah. say, absolutely. Yep. Or we can say, if you have the time and you want to do it, you can, here's how to do it and you can do it yourself. We really, I mean, as we were building the packages, like what we kept asking ourselves was if, if our, if my mom owned a website, would I feel okay suggesting that she buy this? And, uh. That's kind of how we built it. So we feel like it, you know, as so true value. So their mom, is that? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, you know, I think there's some value in those small agencies if they know what they're doing and they're providing an honest service and, you know. And that's what people are used to. They're used to coming to a website and seeing how much is this going to cost me if I want to get this done right now. Yeah. And it's way, it's a way easier sell than, hey, let me get one of my uh, guys on a quote. phone with yeah. you and yeah, we yeah. can talk through this. Um, you probably... You probably, I hope you would get more uh, conversion, right? More, more sales, more clients mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. And it's a, it's a content offer is really what it is. You're offering them this, this one piece of 
content or this one package, the purpose I imagine was it's a sales, a sales tactic, right? It's to get them in the door. They pay the thousand dollars to get this audit. And then you wow them with your service and your knowledge and your etiquette and your professionalism. And yeah. then, and then they come back for, you know, a monthly retainer and, and they become a, a constant client. And, and honestly, like the real stem of it was, I mean, we're kind of, we're, we're proud of what we offer and we're proud of the results that we get and our knowledge. And it stunk to take these clients that couldn't afford us and refer them to someone that we thought was subpar or to just say, you have to go somewhere else. We don't know where, um, so we kind of wanted to give them something to where they could still work with us and we could help them in a way that we felt proud of uh, without having to just destroy their marketing budget. So that's kind of where it came from. But you're right. Like, yeah, it's a good sales thing. It's a good way to get them in the door if they want to continue with something bigger. Um, but it's really just out of, we just Plus, didn't have anyone we felt comfortable referring them to. The typical prices. So if they pay the initial thousand, which th- gets them started, they can start ranking or or whatever, and then they can start getting a little bit more money. So you put them in a better position to be the type of client that can afford you. Yeah, yeah. If we can help them show a return on investment, then and then that can keep growing as we get their budget some grows. offsite stuff, do some content. Yeah. yeah. Well, and tying it back to our beginning conversation, I, I'm seeing a lot more agencies that are the ones that are starting up. They like they market themselves as like specialists in certain things. So. Um, Chris Daly, who was on the show, um, yeah, his is, you know, CRO, that's what they focus on. If you want social, go somewhere else. Uh, you look at bigger companies like VaynerMedia. I mean, they're tripling down on socials. They're a big thing. But you still have, like, the big agencies who they're huge, huge workforce, and they have departments like, this is our video, this is our content, and that works. Do you think it's more attractive to these, if Nike's looking, and I don't know how Nike does their marketing, but... Is it more attractive to work with one company who does all these, or would you feel more comfortable saying, I want this agency to handle my social because I know they're the best at it, and then I want this one to do my conversion rate optimization because they're the best at it? Well, I think that's pretty normal. Well, usually what happens is like Nike will go to an agency that knows everything, but they're not experts necessarily, and then that agency will often hire other agencies to do I, you guys handle the digital arm of this campaign that we have created. We like we're jacks of all trades, like so we know how these all work, but we don't have enough expertise to actually build these campaigns. But we know how they should be built. Um, then they'll go to like you guys do the digital arm. Uh, we're going to hire this design agency to do the design. Sometimes they have it built in, in like design specifically, but uh, will they hire a development agency to build some interactive, you know? So, so is like, this like they white label it or Nike knows that this is going on? Uh, usually Nike knows this is going on. So um, if we look at Oreo, I can't. Uh, Nestle? Yeah, so Nestle, obviously. But I don't remember the agency that Nestle had hired, but... It was either Nestle that hired another agency to do some digital work or is this agency that hired this other agency to mm-hmm. do digital work. Anyway, you guys know the whole you can't dunk in the dark. Yep. That was not done by the big agency that Nestle had hired. It was done by a smaller agency called Fusion 360 that uh, either Nestle had hired or this agency had hired. But they took just one digital arm of this bigger campaign and Fortunately for them, that thing, that particular element of the digital arm blew up, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's usually how it works. Um, most like most big companies that I know will talk to 
a huge agency and then those huge agencies will divide work up if they don't have the expertise in a given area. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's anything I've learned from this conversation, it's that this industry is huge, it's growing, and there's a lot of opportunities to make a lot of money. Yeah, true. I actually want to get someone else's opinion. We should call somebody. Okay. What about uh, Chris Daly? He specializes. He does. Yeah, we can call Chris Daly. Call Chris Daly. Calling Chris Daly. Sounds like he's on the other line. Let's see if he hangs up with them. Two calls in one day. Holy cow. Chris, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. You're on the show. What's up, I'm Chris? On the show. What's up? <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, I noticed that you were on the other line. Who'd you hang up with to to answer for me? <laughs> I actually hung up with my with my realtor. It was uh, we're we're looking at buying a new house. So, Ooh, upgrading. <laughs> <laughs> it's you saved me from a stressful conversation. Oh well, I'm always happy to do that. Uh, hey, so. <laughs> Our topic that we're we're going through, we thought you were a perfect fit. Um, the topic is specializing versus jack of all trades. That's a great topic. I love it. Yeah. So let me give you a little context because we've been talking about it for about thirty minutes. Uh, some of the the different things we've talked about. So, like for example, I've been kind of an advocate of the jack of all trades. In my in my mind, it's easier to get a job. Because uh, you you kind of uh, the opportunities it's greater opportunity for for job if you are a jack of all trades and someone's looking for an email guy you can apply for that job and cater your resume for that if someone's looking for an SEO uh, guy you can cater your resume that way and you have experience there whereas if you specialize in one thing you cut off all the jobs that may not be in that one specific thing uh, but you may have some experience in. And that's kind of the gist, but um, I want to get your thoughts because you do specialize in conversion rate optimization. I think you come from a background where you kind of dabbled in a lot of things, but what made you want to specialize and why, why is that the best choice? Yeah, definitely. So let me weigh in on that. So here's my thought. When you, when you dabble in everything, um, I think you're right up to a certain point. So I think when you are a generalist, you're able to qualify for pretty much any job under a certain either price range or or a certain uh, caliber of company. So in my experience, companies that will pay um, on, on the medium to medium high end are looking for uh, ROQ with generalists. But when you're looking for the really high-end jobs, and obviously those are much fewer and, and farther between, but they pay much, much better. When you're looking at those types of jobs, they're usually looking for specialists. So I'll give you an example. Um, so before I started my company, I'm going to give you guys some, some real dollar figures here. Hopefully that's not going to make anyone uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before I started my company... Um, I was a couple years before I started my company, before I got into the conversion rate optimization game, I was doing general stuff, dabbling in, in PPC and SEO, mostly SEO stuff, a little bit of PPC, um, and then a little bit of 
social media. Um, and I was, I was making, um, I'll give a range. So I got jobs that were in like the 60 to 85,000 a year range. What was the, what was the first Pretty, part of that range? So about like 60 to 85,000 a year range. Okay. Um, so making a pretty good living, but I, I had a hard time finding anything that was beyond that. Unless obviously you get into more of like the management type positions, right? But I assume that you guys are talking more about people that are going to be practitioners rather sure. than, um, managers. Yeah, I think you're right. And so for practitioner roles, I, I found it that that was kind of the top end of the range. Now I got job offers all the time in that range. I was getting emails from recruiters probably three times a month at least. And, um, and so I felt like that was a pretty good place to be. However, once I got into the conversion rate optimization space, I first, I started dabbling in it. Then I specialized in it. And once I specialized in the conversion rate optimization space, and I had been in the space for a couple of years, and that was my sole focus, I was getting at least one job offer a month for over six figures. And so my experience was, and I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that that would have been the case if I was specializing in any field. I don't know that that would be the case if I was specializing in SEO or in social media. But my experience was that once I specialized, some of those higher-end jobs that really wanted somebody that knew their craft well were more attractive to me versus before when I was dabbling, uh, they, they, didn't, they don't really reach out to me. So... That, that's my opinion on the topic. I think that's great. So how'd you end up on CRO specifically? Yeah, so I ended up in CRO because, so before I was on the on the traffic acquisition side, you know, doing SEO, PPC, social media, um, and I was in-house at a company that did not have a CRO. In fact, I didn't even know what CRO was. But we were getting all this traffic, and we got ranked for some very highly competitive SEO terms. Started getting all this traffic to the site, and it just wasn't converting. And obviously, I mean, you guys know this as, as an SEO, that really pissed me off because, you know, those are like your babies. (laughs) And so when they weren't converting, I started asking around the company I was at trying to figure out what can we do to get these guys to convert? And no one could tell me our designers had, our designers were offended, frankly, that I was asking them because they thought their designs were perfect. And, you know, our, our developers would get offended because, Obviously, there's nothing wrong with the site. There's 99% uptime. So nobody thought there was anything wrong with the site except me because my traffic isn't converting. And so I just started dabbling, and I did some research on Google, found out what CRO was, and got a free tool, ran my first test, saw a small listing conversion rate, and I thought, ah, there is a problem. And so, anyways, that was kind of my introduction into the space. So it was more out of necessity rather than you were just passionate about CRO to begin with. Yeah, it was definitely more out of necessity. And then once I started to see that, you know, before that, I just thought, hey, if I get good good quality traffic to the site, it's just going to convert. That's just how it works. Uh, and so when I ran that first test and saw an increase in conversion rate just by changing the experience of the site, I realized, oh, okay, it's not all just about quality traffic. It's also about the quality and experience of the so I became fascinated with the second half of the user experience. You know, I, I, I think of traffic acquisition, I think of SEO, PPC, social media, I think of it as the first half of the user experience. 
you know, getting their interest initially. So, so yeah. would, would it be better for somebody to specialize in one thing like CRO or, uh, so l- actually let me put some numbers to kind of add a little bit more depth to this question. If a hundred percent is an expert, um, and, and we're talking about someone specializing in one thing and they are a hundred percent in that one thing, would it be better to do that or have like, uh, 60% CRO and like 40% SEO and kind of close the loop that way so that you can bring in the traffic as well as convert it. Here's my suggestion. If someone wants to specialize in something, I would first suggest dabbling in, in each thing. First of all, so that you can figure out what you're really passionate about and what you would like to specialize in. But second of all, because I think uh, my opinion is that no digital marketer is good unless they really understand the full digital marketing um, process. Yeah, I think that CROs are more effective when they understand SEO and CPC. I think that CPCs are more effective when they understand SEO and CRO. Uh, and so I think that there is value in first gaining a good foundation of knowledge and then specializing from there. So at that point, you can move into 100% in one thing and you'll have a foundation of 10 or 20 or 30% in everything else. So, so if you were to like visualize this, would you kind of imagine it as a pie chart? Or would you rather say a T-shaped marketer? <laughs> uh, sorry, a what-shaped marketer? T. <laughs> a P-shaped marketer? T is in Tom. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Yes, I see it more as a T-shaped marketer. Boom. Uh, I, I, I don't see but, it as But not a, a P-shaped marketer? <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive at all. Yeah. Uh, I think that's <laughs> the, pie, the pie chart assumes a mutually exclusive model. Interesting. Yep, that's true. Um, okay, great. Well, thank you. Chris, any last thought? I think I have, I have given my spiel, but um, I just, I think, once again, I just want to reiterate, I think it's so important, no matter what aspect of marketing you're passionate about, to get a good foundation in place, to understand and to have some limited experience with each aspect of the funnel. Um, I, I just can't even say enough as to how much it made me a better CRO uh, based on the fact that I have SEO and PPC and social media background. So yeah. that's all I really have to say. Chris, you're the man. Thanks for taking a few minutes. Yeah, thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, yeah. we'll see you, buddy. Adios. Okay, bye-bye. Well, I agree. You do? Yeah, I mean... That a T-shape is better well, than a I pie mean, chart? We, I teach it all the time in Market Campus. Like, students going through, I emphasize, like, it's very important to... Like, we're, we're going to cover everything, at least as much as we can. And it's very important that you understand the foundation of marketing. However, as we're going through this course... If something sticks out to you that you just find really fun or really fascinating, whether it's social, whether it's uh, analytics, I've had some students where the second we start working in spreadsheets, they're just like insanely happy and they, and they actually didn't really like the whole content social stuff. I tell them, run with that. Be the absolute best at that and we'll help you. You know, we'll, you know, we, don't, we can't get super specific in every single topic, but uh, we're going to give you the materials and the, and the resources to continue to teach yourself. So I do agree that like every marketer absolutely needs to understand and have some experience 
and and everything. Even if it's I've ran one AdWords campaign before, that's fine. That's more experience than a lot of other marketers who have never even visited the AdWords dashboard. So, but being specialized, I think you're valuable. Like he said, at those high end companies, if NBC is looking for an email specialist and they're paying $95,000 a year, they're probably not looking for a jack of all trades type guy. They're looking for someone who has years of like in-depth email experience. So I mean, how in-depth can you really get with email? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, So that's really all the time we have. I think that's a really good um, point to end on. If you want to get in touch with us, let's throw out the Twitter handle. What is it, Brandon? At below the fold IO. <laughs> or at the below, below the foldio. Below yeah. the foldio. Uh, <laughs> or you can email us the traditional route. If you're a millennial, Twitter. If you're not, email. Baby boomers, send us an email. Below the fold.io. Send us a postcard. Send us a postcard, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>